let's say just for argument's sake that things don't go well coming out of the break. Let's say that two of the first three games being against Winnipeg, one of the NHL's top teams, let's say that doesn't go well. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. I don't mean to foretell doom. For all I know, the Penguins will handle the Jets like they're nothing. And then in the middle of those two games, take care of Marc-Andre Fleury and the Wild up in St. Paul. And everything will just be glorious after that. But I think we all know better than that based on the inconsistency that they've shown, the lack of focus for significant stretches, and of course, that damned power play. To which I will ask today, what happens? Everyone likes to think that they have a magical plunger that can be pushed that crafts some instant rebuild, and that in turn, that rebuild means the end of the core, the end even of Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. I have my own thoughts as to why that is. In this city, a rebuild is almost always associated with the Pirates, who of course do not operate in a salary cap environment in Major League Baseball. So when you rebuild in baseball, you pretty much have to clean house and bring everything down to rock bottom and lose and lose a lot. Lose so much that you raise your chances of winning the draft lottery and getting some kind of superstar who will change your fortunes for the next decade or two. Heck, we've seen the Penguins benefit from that not once, but twice in massive ways, in unbelievable ways. But here's the thing. It does not have to be that way. You can have, I'm not sure what the terminology for this would be, like a, a pseudo rebuild or a soft rebuild or whatever you'd want to call it. But you could take X number of pieces move them out for 2x number of pieces that are younger, faster, and hope that even, I don't know, three out of four of the players that you bring back click for you. And it's probably got to be at that ratio. I am not in favor of a Jake Gensel trade, but because this entire conversation is hypothetical, I'll say that if you send Jake out and you do a sign and trade, you send him somewhere where they know they're going to keep him, and they send you back what you should be getting back in return, you're all of a sudden not the oldest team in the NHL anymore, and you've got some, some bite to you. You've got some jazz. Repeating again, though, for emphasis, I'm not in favor of a Jake trade, and I'm not suggesting that Jake doesn't have his own degree of jazz, but that is what a rebuild most commonly resembles in the NHL. It looks a lot more like what Los Angeles did in hanging on to Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty, and still adding along the way draft picks who can really play. 
And it wasn't going to be instant. It still isn't really there for the Kings. But there have been times over the past couple of years where we've looked at the Kings like, hey, they're doing it right. Now take that versus the way it played out in Chicago where the Blackhawks just never, ever, ever were able to pull the plug on anybody, even after they'd shown plainly that they couldn't play anymore. And I'm talking, of course, about Duncan Keith and the defensive guys, but also even Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. And by the time they did move those guys, they were either thrilled that somebody took their salary cap hits off of them or they got nothing. They got very little. Now, they did, of course, end up tanking and getting Connor Bedard, but you know that's a game of darts. What I see as being an infinitely more likely and plausible scenario for the Penguins, even if I'm not in favor of it, I'm talking about now is what I think could happen versus what I'd want to happen, is that you could move a couple of guys. If you were to... Let's say, for example, have an open trade market on Brian Rust, Ricard Raquel, Jake. How about Eric Carlson? I know, I know, no trade clauses. And there's all kinds of additions and subtractions with all of these guys when it comes to that sort of thing. But don't tell me there wouldn't be suitors. These are the perfect type of players to add at a deadline. And maybe all that'll get you is a high draft pick here or there, kind of like what the Penguins gave up in Raquel's case, second rounder. Second rounder is what they gave up for Jeff Carter back when Carter could still contribute. Jake would get you a first rounder and then more. So there are ways to do this where the team doesn't have to and this, I hear this from people too. Remember the last time? Remember the last time? Yeah, that was back in 2003 when Mario had a heart condition and was forced to retire and there wasn't a cap yet and the Civic Arena was crumbling and not making any money. These situations are not comparable. There won't be any plunge. There won't be any Rico Fata era part two. And if you execute it right... There might even be a chance for Sid to have one last blip with a younger group. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Eileen, and she asks, Hey DK, if you were the head coach, what would you do to get the power play going? Eileen, the first thing that I'd do is have a conversation with Sidney Crosby. I would do that out of respect. I would do that out of genuinely wanting his input, needing his input. This is someone who does things at a higher level than all but a handful of people who've ever played this game. And you would never want to talk down to or uh, dictate to someone like that, not out of fear or anything like that, just out of legitimate respect and hoping to learn something. Now, that said, I would come to this meeting armed. I would have video. I would show what the power play looks like when Sid is closer to the net as opposed to when he's 
farther over in the corner. I would show what this power play looks like when Sid ventures into the area between the hashes. Sometimes that's called the high slot. I don't really see it that way. The high slot to me is a little higher. Between the hashes, kind of like where Sid was when he made the behind-the-back pass to Gino. Don't get that confused with the one he made to Jake. The one he made to Gino for that late-tying goal against Florida the other night. If you put Sid in that area, you are freaking opponents out. Their PK box will have no answer for that. Is he going to take a shot or two there? Sure, that's hockey. He knows that. But if you have him there... Other teams have to think about you nonstop, and they don't think anywhere near as much as they should about all the other world-class talent around you. Not that you want Sid there to be a distraction. You want him to end up with the puck, but I also think it's easier for him to end up with the puck. And if he doesn't and you get it low, one of those low defensemen is going to pull up towards Sid or one of those high forwards is going to have to come down to Sid. You following me on this? I hope so. Because I really believe that this can work, in part because it has. You've seen it work. This is what it looks like, if any of this sounds familiar, when the Penguins go to 6-on-5. You notice how good they are 6-on-5? Notice how you always feel like they're going to get that late tying goal? You want to know why, Eileen? It's because they collapse. Take a look at Edmonton's power play, and I know that's a completely unfair comparison because Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are at different stages of their elite careers. But watch how everything they do closes in on the enemy. Every pass puts them another foot or two or five or ten closer to the goal. It looks like... You know the claw from Toy Story that comes down and gets the dolls like that? That's what it looks like. It looks like claw. Claw is our master. That's the Edmonton power play. Last season, last December specifically, meaning December of 2022, the Penguins power play, when it took off, did this beautifully, as well as I've seen the Penguins do it in years. And then they didn't. And then they got away from it altogether. And then they became a perimeter power play that never takes a stride forward. They just move the puck to each other. Which allows the PK guys to just stand there and have a sandwich. So I'd start with that, Elaine. I'd start with Sid between the hashes. And then I would ask Sid to look around at everybody else and say, Anybody want to join me? I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow. 